highest of heights to the depths of the sea. In verse 19 it says, Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? And yet you, you are the ones who seek to kill me. Isn't that in the law? You shall not murder. Isn't that in the law of God? Isn't that the Ten Commandment? Not only were they trying to kill Jesus, but they were missing the real point of what it was all about. See, the Jews' religion had become, and this can happen to us too, it can be all external when we forget that it's all supposed to be about an internal reality, not just some kind of vestige that we put on and walk a certain way with something in our hand and light a candle. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus just stated that he was absolutely sinless and true, always seeking the glory of God in heaven. In contrast to Jesus, the religious leaders didn't keep the law. They had the law from Moses, but didn't keep it. In following the thought of Jesus, he said something like this, I am sinless, and none of you keep the law. Why then do you seek to kill me? You are the ones guilty under the law, not I. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes this portion of chapter 7 of the Gospel of John. It's very supernaturally natural. I don't know how it happened. I didn't ask for it. But now that I've, the, the Spirit of God is in me, it changes everything. Everything is changing. It's changing. I've changed, but I'm changing. Can you agree with that? I love it. Because we live in a world, folks, in a culture where might makes right. And what is big, fast, and convenient is better. And that which is evil is good. And that which is good is evil. That's the world we live in. We need to do the will of God and seek out the will of God to seek him. But verse 18 says, He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Jesus, speaking of himself, that he is sinless, that there is no unrighteousness within him. Do you see the order here? It's a divine order. The Spirit of God glorifies Jesus, and Jesus glorifies the Father. They are all equal, but they all have a role. They all have a purpose. And they're all united. They are, it's unity in plurality. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The Spirit glorifies Jesus. If the Spirit of God is glorifying a man, it's not the Holy Spirit of God. If, a spirit, if the Holy Spirit or people claiming it's the Holy Spirit is doing something, then it should be pointing to Jesus Christ. If it's not pointing to Jesus, it's something else. I would encourage you to ignore whatever that is. But if it is Jesus, he's going to point to Jesus. And who does Jesus point to? The President of the United States? Does he point to somebody else? Does he point to any other figure? No, he points everybody to the Father. Equal, but yet submitted to the Father. God is spirit who dwells in unapproachable light. I can't wait to see that. 
An unapproachable light. Can you imagine that? I mean, honestly, let your worship begin there. Think about that and just close your eyes and think. I'm going, to be, I'm, going to, I'm going to see Jesus, and I'm going to see God the Father in my new body when I get to glory. And I'm going to see that unapproachable light, and I'll be able to withstand it in my new body. And I'll experience a peace and a joy and a love, and any, every other emotion that is holy and pure, it's going to happen all at once. You're going to feel like you just... And is there any reason... Is there any reason why our worship, you know, when you think of that, well, what's my position going to be? Am I going to be standing at that time? Probably not. I'm probably going to be like the Hoover vacuum cleaner. My face is going to hit the ground. I'm going to be so blown out with who God is and, who, and, and his effulgence and his glory, his beauty, and his love and compassion. All at once, it's just going to consume you and it's going to be like, <clears throat> let your heart get raptured by that. That's where our worship begins. Looking at him. In verse 19 it says, Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? And yet you you are the ones who seek to kill me. Isn't that in the law? You shall not murder? Isn't that in the law of God? Isn't that the Ten Commandments? Not only were they trying to kill Jesus, but they were missing the real point of what it was all about. See, the Jews' religion had become, and this can happen to us too, it can be all external when we forget that it's all supposed to be about an internal reality, not just some kind of vestige that we put on and walk a certain way with something in our hand and light a candle. No, it's something that happens internally. It was never meant to be external. In Mark chapter 7, what did Jesus answer and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, laying aside the commandment of God. You hold to the tradition of men, the washing of pictures and cups, and many other such things that you do. And all too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your traditions." It was all external. It had become external. And the Jews at this time that Jesus was speaking to them, they were stuck in this idea of the letter of the law, not in the spirit of the law, which is really what he had always designed. In Romans chapter 2, verse 28, it says, For, is, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter. You and I are, in a sense, a Jew because we believe in the God who Abraham professed to have faith in. I mean, we're not Jew in the physical sense. You understand what I'm saying. Because in the, in the spirit, yes, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, and certainly not in the letter, but in the spirit. In Matthew 5, remember, Jesus said, You've heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not commit murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But notice... He qualifies, see, the external. We always think of murder as, you know, somebody killing somebody. But Jesus takes it from the external and says, no, it was never meant to be. Certainly the external is the bad part. Hopefully it never gets to that part. But what's going on inside that's provoking you, that's causing you to do that thing? He says, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. 
He takes it from the physical act to something that's in the heart, something internal rather than something external. It's easier to do things by the letter, isn't it? To follow the rules and just do them without any heart attitude at all. Any of us can do that. We can follow, I mean, we really can't, the Ten Commandments, but if somebody tells you, just do this and do this and do this, okay, I can do that. Even though your heart is completely escaped from it, your heart doesn't even want to be involved. Has anybody done that? Gone through the motions? I have. I've gone through the motions, done the right things, but my heart wasn't in it at all. No change in my heart at all, just following the externals, following the law, the letter of the law, but there's no spirit behind it. And that's part of what legalism is. When you're just following the rules, but your heart is so unengaged from God, you're following the letter of the law, but anything outside of that, nope, can't see it, don't see it. You know, you become like that, uh, what's that, uh, Forrest Gump, you know. <laughs> Only do a, oh, nope, can't, just got to do what's in front of me. You know, you just kind of focus on that one thing and who cares about anything else. But when the Spirit is guiding, he's changing everything. And you'll, you'll never violate the will of God by obeying the Spirit of God. Right? Verse 20, it says, The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who's trying to kill you? Well, they were. And this wasn't the last time that they would tell Jesus that he has a demon. In John chapter 8, they say, The Jews answered and said to Jesus, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? In John chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus speaking says, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. And then later on, in verse 20 it says, The people said, You have a demon. You're mad. Another said, These are not the words of the one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? But they said the same thing about John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, didn't they, in Matthew? John neither came eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. Why is it that only the pure, the truly pure, the world sees as under some demonic influence? Didn't Isaiah say that they will say what is good is evil and what is evil is good? Aren't they doing it even back here in the first century church? And have things gotten any better? No, now abortion is good. Now... Now, um, embracing all the things that are in our culture. Oh, it's good. It's not bad. You have the right to do that. Yeah, you do have the right to do it. You do. Wouldn't recommend it. But they were the ones who were seeking to kill him. They tried to do it back in John chapter 5. He said, My father has been working until now, and I have been working, and therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. They wanted to kill him. In John chapter 8, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. There's no place in your heart where God's word is concerned. Why is that? He could ask them. Jesus loved them. But here, nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. And Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work and you all marvel. This work that he's speaking of is that work of the miracle in Jerusalem. The last time he was there, he healed that man at the pool of Bethesda. 
That's the work that he's speaking of. And he did it on the Sabbath. He said, Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. And if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me now because I made a man completely whole on the Sabbath? And he says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment, with righteous judgment. It's very easy to judge according to the appearance, isn't it? We do it all the time. In Isaiah 11 it says, Speaking of Jesus, this root of David, His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor shall he decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. That's who Jesus is. That's what he wants us to do, is to judge righteously, not to judge according to the appearance But we know, again, that the Jews were hung up on the externals. Remember the dialogue that Jesus had with the Pharisees. It was a a nasty confrontation. And many people think, well, how could he be that mean? How could he be that pointed? Well, Jesus had a problem with religious leaders. He was much kinder to the average person who was oblivious. But to the people who claimed to know God and were teaching people the wrong things, he did not like that. He took them to task. And what did he tell them in Matthew? And I'll just read a couple verses. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of your cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean. And woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, your play actors, for you are like the whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all of uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to man, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Judge righteously. Don't judge according to the appearance. It's hard to do, isn't it? It's really hard to do. And even Samuel was caught off guard. You remember in 1 Samuel 16? As God tells Samuel to go to Jesse, to his eight sons, Go there and take the oil with the flask, and I want you to anoint the one who I am going to anoint over the king of Israel, as as the king of Israel. So Samuel goes, and David, unbeknownst to Samuel, is out in the field, far away, you know, away from the other seven brothers. And so they bring Eliab, the very tallest, the most handsome, the next, you know, firstborn. And Samuel goes, that's got to be the guy. He's got blonde hair. He looks great. He's got blue eyes. He looks like Fabio. This guy... He can even clean a pool. He even, he's a great pool cleaner. But he's, he's here, and, and they're looking at him thinking, this is the guy. And God says, no. Samuel, you're looking at the outward appearance. And so finally he goes down through them, and God's like, nope, haven't chose him, haven't chose him, haven't chose him. Jesse, are there any other sons? Oh, yeah, there's a son out in the field, David. Uh, it's all right, you don't need, to, you don't need him, do you? He goes, yeah, we're going to wait until he comes. And then when he did come, God says, that's the one. That's the one. The one that nobody wanted. The off-scouring. The other brothers were too important to take care of sheep and clean up after sheep. And No, it was David. He goes, that's the one. That's the one that the scriptures have been all about. 
The scriptures have been all about this, this young man. So do you feel rejected? Jesus was rejected in Jerusalem this time. How about you? Do you feel rejected? I do. Not by all of you. Not by my family. Not by my immediate family anyway. But there are people, relatives, who've rejected me. They don't really want me anymore. And that's okay. That's okay. Do you feel rejected like Jesus was rejected? Have you been rejected by your family, your friends, your coworkers, maybe even your spouse? Well, I got some good news for you. You're in good company. And isn't this true, what the Bible tells us in Philippians? What does it say? Paul knew this very well because he was a very popular guy. He was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was... Uh, blameless according to the law. He did everything. He did all the right things. He went to all the right schools. He grew up under Gamaliel, a very important rabbi. He had everything going for him until the Lord got a hold of him, and the Lord just dissolved everything and said, Paul, you don't know anything. You think you got everything under control. Let me tell you, you don't know anything. And he took him out into the desert for three and a half years to reveal to him personally God's plan. That aren't you glad that we have written for us? Nearly two-thirds of the, the New Testament is from the hand of Paul, who had a direct confrontation with Jesus Christ out there in Arabia for over three and a half years. But here's my final exhortation to you. If you feel rejected like Jesus, you're in good company. But Paul said this in Philippians. And I want you to encourage you, and then we'll end here. To be mindful of this. You know, a lot of people think when they come to Christ that it's just a big bowl of ice cream, that everything is going to get better. And, and, and you know, there, it does. It does get better in some ways. But sometimes that there's a lot greater trials that come as a result of that, isn't there? Sometimes, I didn't even know I was alive until I finally got saved. Then my troubles really began. I thought I was in trouble then. And granted, I'm forgiven, I'm cleansed, uh, the Lord is doing great things, and, and the things, I would never switch to go back to that old man, that old nature, that old time of my life. That, that man is dead. He's buried. He's taking a dirt nap. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so is your old man. He's dead too. He's taking a dirt nap. He's dead. But we've been raised to newness of life, aren't we? And with that comes responsibility. With that comes a realization that we are also in enemy territory. Wouldn't you agree? Who's the ruler of this world right now? It is Satan. It is. God's going to take care of him, and it's written for us in Scripture. But what do we do until then? Are we desiring to have the accolades and the praise and the admonition and the admiration of man what did Paul say? But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. This is the mind that we need to have within us because it is so different from the world. It is so different from the world. He says, yet indeed, I also count all things, all things, 
loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. Here's the, this is the desire, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the part that we don't like, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. That's something we don't like as Christians. And honestly, we don't revel in that. But we also understand that we are in good company when you are rejected, when you are scorned, when you are persecuted as a Christian. And believe me, in this country, it has already begun, and it's going to get worse. But what are you going to do, my beloved friends? Seriously, what are we going to do? Are we going to pull out guns and go after them? No, God hasn't called us to be a militia. We're more important than a militia. What you can do on your knees is far more important. What you can do with your life is far more important than grabbing a gun and going to the front lines. He hasn't called us to violence. But do you feel rejected? Have you felt rejected? You're in good company, but don't take it to heart and be sad about it because this is just part and parcel of being a believer in Jesus Christ. This is just part of it, right? It's part and parcel of being a believer. Paul said that, didn't he? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's great, but also the fellowship of his sufferings. Have you suffered over the last year and a half? Yeah, you have. I know you have, and I have too. Even before that, we all suffer We go through heartbreaks, family breakups, children running amok, spouses breaking off, doing their own thing, breaking your heart in a million pieces, shattering everything in you that you thought was good. You're just like, Lord, how could it get any worse? This world is getting so bad. It's getting so dark. What am I going to do? Jesus says, just follow me and stay close to me. I'll take you along for the ride, and soon I'm going to redeem your body from the earth. I'm looking forward to that day. that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for this passage again. And Lord, just as Jesus was rejected, we know that we will also be rejected. Lord, help us not to take, uh, take that too much to heart and, and feel like we've somehow... Uh, done something wrong, Lord. Help us not to assume that we're not in your will when things are difficult, when things go awry, when everything just seems to be falling apart in relationships and health and my own heart, Lord. Everything just starts to go south, God. Help us not to assume that just because these things are happening that we're out of your will, that, that somehow we are missing the boat, Lord. In fact, we're still in the boat. I believe many of us are being deceived and thinking because of the hardships that we are no longer your children. 
But the fact of the matter is, Lord, you were in that boat in the storm in the Galilee, in the center of a storm, and there you were in the midst of them. With the three lads in the fiery furnace in Babylon, you were there with them. They didn't even want to get out, Lord, and you were there with them. And, Lord, we are here today, and we have these storms and these trials. And, Lord, help us to know that we are in your presence, and that you're with us. You're Emmanuel. You will said you would never leave us nor forsake us. You are God with us, even to the end of the age in which we are. And I thank you for that. I pray you bless my brothers and sisters. Encourage their faith. Strengthen their faith. Bless them immensely, God, in their worship and in their adoration, their awe, their devotion, their worship of you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.